Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Data Engineering Weekly Radio. Um, Ashwin here with me. Hi Ashwin, how are you? Hey everyone, how are you all doing? Hopefully you're liking our sessions. Uh, Anand has learned something very interesting for this week. Anand, what are we talking about? So, one of the interesting subjects around going, this, this subject is going on for the industry for a long time. I think um, what we are talking about like, is modern data stack under pressure? So this is something that we took a lot of from, uh, if you know the mad, if you have read the mad, mad landscape uh, published by, um, you know, um, uh, Matt, uh, Matt kind of published uh, the mad landscape kind of categorization of like, what are the in, what are the SaaS products and options available in the overall data infrastructure and data engineering and ML and AI uh, land. And the articles kind of goes like four part article going each and every categories and goes some in depth analysis for that. Um, this week, that is something is kind of very interesting for us is kind of taking look at look back what what is happening in the data infrastructure side of it. Uh, I think that's a key part of it. And the trends in uh, trends in data infrastructure uh, by he's talking about is modern data stack under pressure. What do you think, Ashwin? Is it under pressure? I think uh, so as well. Uh, I think, as Matt puts it, the music has probably stopped for a lot of players. And I think uh, it's actually uh, a good thing for, for customers as well, right? So what has happened over the last couple of years, we had a spurt of a uh, lot of siloed products uh, that had come up. And... Each of these products had to move either left or right to embrace another category of products as well, right? Um, so as Matt describes it, and we'll be talking about this data quality and observability being merged, uh, uh, ingestion players moving up and solving for a bit of uh, quality, a bit of governance. So I think all of that leads to consolidation. I think uh, Matt has clearly laid it out. Uh, the industry trends, where it is going, what are the challenges uh, that the industry is going through, and why uh, 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 an inevitable wave of consolidation is expected and anticipated as well, right? So, a right. pretty pretty interesting article out there. Yeah, you know, funnily enough, like sometime back, I think almost a year back, Jan 6, 2022, I'm just looking at my tweet, I was kind of trying to describe what is MDS, which is modern data stack in a short form, right? Like, uh, what I was trying to tell, like MDS is uh, is a set of vendor tools that solves niche data problems like lineage, orchestration, quality, with the side effect of creating a disjointed data workflow that makes the data folks' lives more complicated. I think I think as an industry that we kind of finally come to a circle, kind of know, okay, this is a problem. There are a lot of siloed data products and data uh, SaaS companies kind of coming in. What Matt kind of calling here is like. Um, you know, a, a company for the future, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So that that's kind of a very interesting aspect of it. It also goes back to the whole, um, you know, one of the points he made in about like funding is kind of drying, you know, every company is now full on trying to uh, tighten the budget. Mm. I think that triggers an interesting um, scenario right now. Now the companies are like more and more focused on what invest, what not to invest. And most of the tooling suggests, like, you know, like I, I hear from many companies that like if you if you have a 
buying budget more than goes like five thousand dollars, it has to go through the CFO approval nowadays. Like you know, every company is now so much swinging the pendulum to the cost optimization. And I have also seen some of the data uh, vendors' uh, advertisements that targeting towards CFOs and arguing like why you should spend your money on this particular data tools. That's kind of a very interesting trend, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, before we get into the trends of the uh, market as laid down by Matt, uh, see, MDS, again, was was right for that particular time period. It gave to hyper-specialized startups. For example, uh, around the cloud warehouses is where the MDS was structured. So if you look at ingestion, you had specialized tools come up. Uh, right, so Stitch, Fightran, Hivodata, uh, and a couple of other players, right? So, uh, and in catalog, again, you've got specialized players, in governance, specialized players, quality became observability and, um, and trends around observability of uh, helping customers measure uh, uh, data address and address data quality problems uh, at scale. Uh, I think this would not have happened uh, without the focus that I think the market and the investors gave for the last three or four years. Um, but with the downturn, with with versus scaling tighter and uh, CFOs are also now questioning around why you need so many different tools within the same company. Uh, I think that's where uh, these specialized categories are now to be merged uh, and bundling mm-hmm. and consolidation is, is, is kind of becoming inevitable. Uh, but thanks to all the investments that all of these companies have made, I think instead of stepping on each other's shoes by building features, I think it's it's an interesting space uh, to consolidate and work uh, towards the data problems that is getting addressed, right? So mm-hmm. in, in the industry, I think there was this whole notion of data fabric as a, as a design pattern. And that was basically uh, something similar that would happen with this consolidation. Mm-hmm. I think the whole consolidation also creating an interesting uh, scenario, in my opinion. There's like two things I'm very interested in to watch what will happen. Right? Consolidation is fine. Um, that is what kind of um, the Matt kind of saying about like modern data stack and pressure. Um, then he kind of pointing out some of the um, some of the fully managed platforms, some something like you know Y42, Mosa data. And those kind of companies coming in, trying to abstract the whole complexity around the MDS are producing an end-to-end solution on their own, make it easier for the companies to kind of adopt. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think that's uh, very relevant, probably can snowflake to it, can data bricks to it, uh, because if customers are anyway operating around them, uh, is it easier and natural for them to do it? Right. So that brings a question like, is, is companies like, you know, um, a talent, and um, the other traditional ETL tools like you know Microsoft uh, SSIS, are they correct in what they're doing? See, again, I go back to the previous statement on it here. Uh, hyper-specialization led to uh, industrializing some of the things that could have mm-hmm. could have not been automated in large companies. Uh, right. The last three years did that, right? So there were mm-hmm. specialist tools for all of, all of this. Uh, the companies like Talent had a full spectrum approach. It's more of a full stack approach. Uh, but then 
when you're doing that, sometimes you take trade off because you're already having existing customers to support and all of that. Right. So uh, I think that fine balance uh, is required. You cannot yeah. be uh, a full stack and then specialize. I think uh, the last couple of years basically helped uh, tools to specialize. And now it does not make sense for them to remain specialized anymore. Uh, right. Because uh, the number of companies that VCs funded became crazy. And then uh, right now it, it, it just matters for them to consolidate uh, mm. and operate as one entity because they're repeating sales efforts, they're repeating technical efforts and all right. operational effects to, to right. manage and maintain companies. Right. I think you made a very good point because the whole unbundling, what it really brings in here is the each and every individual tool require an innovation on its own or you know, reinvent itself. Yes. The data catalogs 10 years back is completely different from now in terms of the rich user experience that it provides. Yeah. Um, same true for the data quality tools, the number of data quality tools and observability, the thought process behind this whole observability coming on is pretty huge. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's a necessary disruption as an industry to fuel the innovation. Uh, I think this companies kind of did a good job. Um, now it is kind of moving back and saying, okay, well, okay, these innovations are very siloed places are really good. What does it mean for an organization to integrate now? Uh, you know, it's, maybe there's more and more and more innovation might start to happen on the on the integration space and the usability part of it. Yeah, correct. And and uh, seamless uh, onboarding, seamless customer experience as well, right? So, right. what do I do after moving the data? For example, I want to do transformations. Why should I talk to another sales guy, another salesperson, another product? Uh, can it all be bundled, right? So, I think. Uh, both the extremes are, are important. I think you've got to balance out. I think, uh, as you rightly said, uh, hyper-specialization needs uh, unbundling. Uh, but then, end of the day, for most of the use cases, a bundled software uh, would help, uh, except for use cases where you need hyper-specializing. So I think the balance definitely helps. Right, totally. I think one interesting question for me, the whole consolidation, right? And Matt also kind of called out like consolidation is inevitable. It's going to happen. And the larger players also kind of in the product expansion mode. Now, consolidating those, like which category it will be like every, every company going after like, you know, I want to be the control center of the whole data workload, right? Data catalog say that I am the control center. You know, uh, data quality tools say like, you know, observability is a control center and ETL tool and DPT says that, Semantic layer is the center of the universe, right? If you take any companies, any companies in the portfolio, the way they're pitching it, like, you know, hey, I am the center of the universe. Without me, none of them will be existing. And, and we are playing well with okay. everyone. Right now, with the consolidation, who will be the, uh, what kind of a tool will be the, the control center? I yeah. think that is a bigger question. It's, yeah. a, it's a million dollar question, tough to predict. But then here's an observation, right? See, Databricks, uh, tends to build a lot of homegrown features to support and build uh, the whole stack uh, around data management. Snowflake does that with a combination of acquisitions and uh, through great partnerships. Uh, so uh, these two are seen as the main players here. To, let's not ignore Microsoft here. Uh, Microsoft is a master at partnerships. So they're also, with their marketplaces, with their private offers and all of it, they're also kind of uh, uh, kind of playing a major role. Uh, AWS, Google, again, uh, all these four or five top cloud companies are, are definitely in the, in the, in the ring. Uh, it's, 
it's hard for any new entrant to go create uh, a consolidated framework. I think uh, even if they are building, they will operate around one of these primary data landing zones, which is what all of these players are, storage layers and compute layers. I think uh, that's my my perspective on this, but I, 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 I would wait for the market to figure out and market to mature on its own. Right. Yeah. In, in, the, in the age of those integration, the age of the consolidation, how does those integration and then how does those user experience going to play around? You know, do I still need to go to multiple tools and multiple yes. UIs to do my job? Or will they make them make experience like much more seamless and seamlessly integrated? That's yet to see. I think Matt also kind of highlighted like some of the companies that get acquired, like Databricks, uh, you know, uh, how they kind of emerging, introducing new new tools and then like, you know, smaller, uh, uh, smaller acquiring company acquiring companies like DataJoy and Cortex Labs. Uh, same like for Snowflake, kind of Leap Year, Snow Convert, Moisture AI. I think Matt kind of quoted Snowflake acquired Streamset. I guess it's a typo. Uh, yeah. They actually acquired Streamlit, not yeah. Streamset. Um, I'm surprised like nobody kind of pointed out that this particular part of it. Yeah. Um, Streamset got acquired by Software AG, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, streams have yeah. got by software, yes. Yeah, yeah. And Confluent, Confluent also not staying idle. They kind of we made a very interesting, um, uh, they made kind of uh, acquired Immorock, which is kind of uh, all the Flink founders are there, some of the PMC members there. Um, it's a very interesting, uh, you know, strategy to kind of moving away from the KSQL homegrown solution to all the way to betting on this, um, betting on, yeah. on top of Flink. And DBT also acquired the first company, um, acquired um, Transform. Actually. Yeah, Transform. Yeah, I, I missed that one. Yeah, it's so it's very interesting. This, these things are happening all around, um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this whole play went to play out. Perfect. Uh, let's quickly talk about uh, some of the areas that we feel, and also Matt also has covered that pretty extensively. Uh, that's something we've been discussing, debating for quite some time that would consolidate, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The first obvious one, I am I come from an Indian background, so uh, ETL and reverse ETL, uh, the way I see it, yeah, both of them uh, are typically owned run by data teams. Uh, ingestion uh, is not ETL, uh, ingestion is EL without the T. Uh, now, ETL and reverse ETL and uh, what Matt and everybody mentions here is EL and reverse EL tools. Yeah. Uh, would see a lot of consolidation because they operate, the user personas who operate on that uh, are typically analysts and non-technical teams. Uh, mm -hmm. so there, there could be a lot of consolidations there. I think uh, even solving the full stack uh, makes a lot of sense. Hivo data does both of them. Uh, I think Hivo actually, as well as Airbyte also, uh, are the one or two companies that basically do end-to-end -end both ingestion as well as reverse ETL over a full stack and that makes sense for customers right mm -hmm. yeah totally i think i think the whole this etl reverse etl kind of place very interesting to watch partly because the the other side of the spectrum that's was kind of very interesting to me uh, the other side of spectrum is like the whole concept of reverse etl essentially says like if you are a salesperson your most of the action is in sales uh, in salesforce or if you are support uh, you know your customer uh, success agent um, you most of the action in, in Zendesk, and like if you're a marketing person, most of your action in market. So 
feeding as much as data from your data warehouse, integrating seamlessly to these applications, enable um, enable those functions to be efficient and get more and more insight, better better ability for marketer to target audience and vendors could kind of give a better insight about the customer. Salesforce kind of better insight about the sales insight and all those things, right? So now, um, will these companies became what we call as vertical analytical companies, like vertical analytical companies, yeah. will they become the data warehouse on its own that, you know, eventually that we don't need to build any data warehouse on the company? Interesting, actually, uh, a couple of companies may pivot to that side also. Uh, but again, segment and a couple of the others, reverse ETL or CDP solutions, what they've essentially yeah. done is they've operated on top of Snowflake as opposed to building and managing uh, their own uh, data warehouse. Right? But I'm, I'm, I think the market uh, would be open on this. Uh, if Snowflake becomes expensive, they may just live over uh, Postgre or MySQL or manage Postgre or manage MySQL by one of these vendors. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that makes sense also. If I'm not wrong, this Indian YC-funded uh, reverse ETL company, Castle Data, uh, run by Arun and his team, uh, basically, while they primarily run on warehouses, I think they can support and run on any, any database as well. So you're expecting like more and more broader database support from this reverse ETL tool? I, I would say yes, because uh, why live with one? But I think the majority consensus is Snowflake or even for that matter with Databricks Delta also. Uh, it becomes a lot more easier to have a single stack across the enterprise. Uh, storage layer or the, uh, the layer where the data is pushed uh, or staged. Uh, can be common uh, for a large organization, but if they want a very simple tool or the use case is just departmental and the data set is also very departmental, I think why not live with something like a DuckDB, for example, right? Meaning, yeah, okay. uh, or a mother duck, right? See so what I think that that could also emerge in the next one or two years. Right. Do, do you do you think that ETL and reverse ETL will merge as the, uh, as kind of matter? I think it would. I think it would naturally merge, and uh, we don't need two different tools in in short. Uh, okay. I, I think they should merge if you ask me. Right, right, right. Hopefully, let's see. Yeah. Um, the other interesting, uh, other interesting category is like data quality and observability. Right? Is is it a different thing, or is it like you need know, two different tools, or one tool should manage that? What do you think? Like, do you think there's the possibility these two categories can merge? Uh, yeah. So interestingly, I had this chat with uh, Mona Rakibe from Delmai when she was here in Bangalore. Uh, I added another category called catalogs to the same same box. I said, why okay. not merge all three of them? Uh, see, traditional data quality tools are more of uh, like you, you're sick and then you go to the doctor and then you measure. Observability tools are like your Apple watches and your smart yeah, smart trackers that you have. It observes mm -hmm. you on a real-time basis and helping you to avoid a lot of issues. Uh, mm -hmm. I, uh, that's the fundamental difference. But data quality tools also help you to fix a problem. Observability tools are like your health tracker. It tells you there is a problem. You need mm -hmm. to have a lot of, do a lot more other things. The mm -hmm. common denominator between both the tools was data profiling. Mm -hmm. uh, data quality starts with profiling. Observability is continuous profiling on the data that you would like to monitor. Uh, yeah. Now, you also tend to do that with data catalogs as well, because data catalogs is all about an organized inventory of assets where you can search, discover, and do all of that. But you right. can't search on data set unless they have been semantically classified and profiled. So you're also doing 
for any enterprise today, uh, there Correct. will be three different steps to Correct. do something very basics. Uh, so I think all the basic profiling and all of that would anyway be merged. Uh, right. But once you observe, you have to fix it. So you need a human workflow for fixing. You need to have tools for fixing. So you also think, I also think that, and I agree with Matt saying that there is a lot of common ground for all of these three different categories. I know Matt does not put catalogs. Uh, you can kind of merge all three in, in, in one bucket. Uh, obviously, as catalogs solve for the UI and discoverability of it. But then uh, if somebody, somebody is anyway wanting to consume and discover it, let quality and observability be a subset of it. Uh, call it what with whatever name you want. But then everything revolves around ensuring clean, trusted data, uh, which is discoverable. So I think somehow I see all these three categories uh, going together. Uh, and if you look at the Axel data, or even if you look at Barmosis from Monte Carlo, they mm -hmm. all solve a bit of lineage today. And lineage mm -hmm. is the first step towards data catalogs. Again, yeah. I'm not saying it is the only part. They solve for a lot more other things. Right. But some of that convergence can happen. And I think yeah. if I were to build a category right now around this, I would I would basically combine all three and provide a unified experience to customers to discover the data, to fix the problem, and also to continuously observe it. Uh, right? Uh, uh, and I think that's that's the part I think... Uh, I. I in, in my viewpoint, would would naturally evolve, but I think clearly what's happening is quality and observability is a very fine line, and I think it, it should be emerged. So it's it's interesting that you add a data catalog along with the data quality and observability. Um, you know, sometime back I kind of quoted any anyone who controls the data lineage will control the whole data stack because the lineage has so much power. Right? Okay, with a lineage you can build your data catalog, you can build your data quality system and observability system. I think it's all bottom line kind of building around like you know lineage part of it, right? Okay. Um, so your argument is like data catalog anyway for piling those tables to understand what is the distribution of the data, what is the metadata associated with that. So why can't they kind of enrich that as a data quality and observability tool on top of it to give yes. a significant experience to the yes. With um, this governance well, you also add governance in a catalog, like who has access, who sees what, uh, who should, how the workflow around getting access to a data set. So, when you're solving for that, solve it along with both of them. I think that's that is a interesting bit, if you ask me. And I'm sure some of them are already solving for it. Uh, like right. I, I recently went to uh, Monte Carlo's website, and I, I was like, yeah, this something. If I'm not wrong, they're also solving for lineage, uh, because without lineage, there is no observability, right? So observability right. is like, uh, so it's it becomes a thin line, and I think ultimately they'll all step on each other, and right. And uh, consolidation will happen. So Matt kind of interestingly quoted that in the data quality and observability, the orchestration engine also will come on play a major role, might step in this category at some point in time. What do you think of this? Like, is that orchestration will became is, is it like is, is it data catalog? Like, is do you see a possibility where data catalog can step into orchestration? Uh. I'll cut here for a second. Uh, okay. I lost you. Cut, 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 cut here. Uh, now, when he says orchestration, what is that? Uh, okay, so something like you know, um, Airflow, for example. Okay. Will it will it will it step on data quality and observability that inherently kind of step on the cataloging also like DBT, for example. It has a DBT docs. 
So I recently published an article from this particular um, 123, where you could very well create a static website out of DVD docs, and that is your data catalog right there. Correct. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. See. Okay. Let me answer that question now. So. the, okay, the way I think of it, right, right? So again, my perspective over here, see, all of these tools would start providing lineage and what you call as how the data flows, uh, who has access and all of it natively, and they would start sharing to a central catalog. So we have seen that with Databricks right now with Unity Catalog. So they are they're mm-hmm. able to provide end-to-end flow of what, what happens within their ecosystem. And I think mm-hmm. more tools would also follow suit. Uh, it could be Airflow also consolidates and then says, hey, this is how the data is flowing. Go display it somewhere. Uh, DPT again, as you said, with DPT docs, uh, can then consolidate anything that flows within the air estate and then seed out or send out an API or a, or, a, or, a, or, a, or a string out and say, hey, this is how the data is flowing. Uh, go visualize it somewhere. Uh, somehow, probably data catalog tools would solve for the UI and the user experience around it. And all of these different tools around will start to emit uh, the information that they are processing. So I think mm-hmm. that, that that could also be a trend where lineage becomes a lot more easier uh, with different tools, orchestration tools, uh, different data storage tools also emitting uh, part of the information and then catalog tools basically solve for the full-fledged discoverability and governance. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that could that could naturally happen as well. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think so they call it as catalog of catalogs, right? So they say it's catalog of catalogs, and then that that's the overall landscape. Yeah, so, Sanjeev, you kind of quoting about uh, data product catalog. What, what do you think of data product catalog? Do you think? That That's is a simple. good one. Uh, see, in fact, if you come to uh, the tag end of Matt's blog, he speaks about the trends around data mesh and data products. I think data products right. changes the entire equation here. Instead of talking about thousands of tables, we talk about finished products. Uh, now with finished products, uh, you, 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 you visualize, you have uh, an interface on how you consume it, and you also have a clear definition of who's producing it. Uh, now, data product catalogs, solve for that uh, and it is much more consumable because uh, and it is much more easy on the operation side also as opposed to a catalog today uh, and what would possibly accelerate the data product catalog is the fact that most of these tools are also emitting uh, the metadata information so mm-hmm. the lineage and how the data flows is anyway documented let's assume most of the tools do that uh, like unity catalog uh, it becomes very easy for a data catalog because then all of these are integrations. Uh, let's say you have XYZ data set uh, that comes through several join and, and, and consolidated one or a BI dashboard. Everything that flows downstream is fed by these different tools. They only solve for the user experience around, hey, this is a data product. This is what it does. This is how you consume. This is the owner. This is the next update date. This data is 50% accurate, 40% accurate. All the observability metrics are, are fed into the catalog. I think that's uh, a more consumable, a more usable layer as opposed to a, a data catalog today in, in its current form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... All, all those things, like you know, whether like you know, the whole data mesh, data contract, data product. I think finally, as a data community, that we are now actively talking about how efficiently an organization can produce, consume, and effectively utilize the data. 
you know, we shift the conversation from last 10 years. If you take this lot of conversation about like, is it is like Apache Peak is best or Hive is best? Is it Spark is best or MapReduce is best? Correct. You know, what kind of an abstraction is like DBT is best or Airflow is best? Like more of like technology conversation never been about organizational side of it. Like what is, what is the organization landscape going to look like? What, how are you, the data producers going to produce it? Like, is it, is it, is it consumable? Can I trust it? Can I not trust it? What do you mean by trustable data? So I think it's, this is a very interesting area. I believe like this has tons of innovation left in this space. What do you think? I totally, totally, uh, kind of consolidating, uh, features make sense as opposed to competing. Uh, right. So, uh, that's, that's a theme here end of the day. Right. So as you yeah. mentioned, DBD, Flow, or let's say it's part, these are technological conversations. Uh, but then over a period of time, one or two is becoming more prominent. And once you become more prominent, they have to learn add features on top of it. Right now, DBT will transform. Uh, mm -hmm. right? So that was an extension for them. Uh, now, from transform going to, let's say, an ingestion, uh, which they do with, let's say, Fitran through, uh, uh, through packages today, uh, could also be a natural extension for DBT because if I'm anywhere solving for the T piece of it and the SQL piece of it or the, the transformation piece of it, uh, why not solve for the E and L part? Right. Uh, with transformations, I'm anyway solving for the L part. All I have to solve for is the E part. Can I also do that? And once I do that, can I also solve for writing back into an application? All right. So, uh, and I think that's something we need to wait and watch on how DBT is going to play that game. Uh, but that's essentially on the data layer. Uh, right. I, th I think overall theme about this whole. Um... Uh, the data in uh, you know data infrastructure trend largely focusing on okay money is drying consolidation starting let let's figure it out what are the things that are going to unify and how the user experience is going to look like in, in a unified world and the these these individual categories now will start to blur and then you'll get like more unified experience either an unified experience or unified selling we don't know what is going to be look like yeah correct 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 <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know that I think so, customers benefit. Um, see, uh, yeah, in yeah. Both the cases, uh, the, the the benefit is passed to the customers. I think customer delight, customer experience is what uh, matters the most. Uh, interestingly, Matt also lays down on MLOps, and this is an area that has got crazy investment, right? So, uh, right. from model building to feature stores, again over there also he basically talks about they're all stepping on a collision path with each other. Because they all started off with doing one thing, right? Feature stores or some said, hey, I'm I'm gonna focus on model building. I'm focused on deployment and the trans the the, the explainable AI feature. So they all had one feature and they were specialists on it. But then as they went to customers, uh, they realized that selling and managing and maintaining it becomes very difficult. And uh, they also have to step on each other. Uh, again, MLOps is in another category that. Uh, Matt basically says that there's going to be heavy, heavy, heavy consolidation. Right, totally. I think ML, ML yes. I, I feel like there will be more consolidation between MLOps and data engineering practice also. Like if you see, the feature store is more closely resembled to data products. Yeah. If you ask me. Right, it has it has a similar thing like you know you you produce a high quality um, you call you create a high quality pro future which is strong SLA guarantee, strong quality guarantees, and then strong documentations guarantee associated with that one. That is essentially what people are talking about data products. 
Um, I think there's there will be a lot of merging also happen on the side. That that would be an interesting things to watch. Correct. Yes. 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 Uh, another okay. question here. Uh, yeah. Is, around, is it the end of ETL? Uh, a very very good topic that Pat covers in the blog. <laughs> yeah. Is is it a? He's talking about zero ETL. Is it an end of ETL? I. I I don't think so, in my opinion. Uh, but I'm just curious, like, what what do you think of it? I I think so as well. Uh, I think it's it's a great start. See, we need to think from okay, what will happen in a zero ETL world, and 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 innovations should happen on that. Uh, and see, if you look at how Salesforce and Snowflake announced a partnership, I think right now Databricks and SAP announced a partnership uh, to to natively integrate data without uh, the customer having to worry about copying or moving the data. It's it, it would be available in in their ecosystem. Uh, so that syncing, if it's provided natively, benefits customers for sure. Uh, but you need to have that in scale at passes. The steps are being late right now. Uh, but will it happen immediately? Will it happen in the next five years? We need to wait and watch. Uh, but at least it's 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 heading in the right direction. To me, anything that is trivial, anything that is predictable, anything that can be repeatable sh- should be automated. Uh, an ETL or ingestion is something that can be automated to a larger extent. Think of this. Every customer almost sales was to Snowflake, for example. Uh, and why should they pay Fitran or Talent or any other company to do that? If, if Salesforce only can directly negotiate a deal with Snowflake and say, hey, this is my API. If a customer wants, let them pay you $10. You pay me $5 and, and uh, let's 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 do it within us. I think uh, that kind of benefits the customer because they don't have to manage another tool and its data is available. Things like that can happen. I'm not saying it would not happen, but then it can happen uh, as well. I forgot the name of this company who solves for this. Uh, they basically provide ingestion and synchronization of data to warehouses uh, and they only operate on the SaaS companies. They don't sell it to customers. They help SaaS companies uh, create uh, these as uh, as accelerators that they can provide native APIs to to write back to the cloud warehouses. The name I'm not able to recollect right now as we speak. Right. I mean, when we're talking about this whole uh, no ETL, like, you know, zero ETL movement, right? Largely, we are talking about two sides. I think we're kind of, I think we need to kind of clearly distinguish those two sides, right? One is like, Taking the data from SaaS product like Salesforce, you know, Salesforce sending the data Snowflake, you know, technically they call it as a data sharing. So it's no Snowflake can sorry, Salesforce can share those data to Snowflake, or Stripe can do the share sharing also, right? So th- those things are fine in my opinion. But again, this is this is going to raise some interesting questions. Now, who owns the data, right? Yeah. Um, is, is Snowflake owns the data, Salesforce owns the data, or the customers own the data. And obviously the, the, the technologies like, you know, the systems like you know, EKM or bring your own key play a major role here that, you know, Salesforce can have sync the data to Snowflake, but the key is still in the customer side. They can kind of sync in and then to read it, understand what they wanted to do, if they wanted to remove it. The customers owns the data. If they kind of produce that kind of an, uh, infrastructure, that's like a huge win for a customer, right? The full control is in the customer. Um, side of it yeah now the 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 question the lines started will started to blur where you know snowflake has snowflake acquired like streamlit 
Now, Streamlit can build those analytical apps on top of it, and then Streamlit, you know, Snowflake can start to sell this analytics app. And once you start to sell this analytical app, your data kind of abstracted because you are abstracted to a higher level system, yeah. right? And at this point of a time, from a company's perspective, it doesn't matter whether they're using Salesforce or some other CRM system, you get the whole flow or the analytics, what you want out of the box. Now, is that something Salesforce wants or not? Yeah. You know, at what point it will stop saying that, you know, hey, I cannot sync that. So that's a one difficulties I see. I think the yeah. second part, um, I think the second part, what people are missing that is with the whole zero ETL moment where Matt talking about Amazon Aurora can sync directly to Redshift and then this thing is fine. The transactional systems like Aurora build and tuned for highly operational needs. They are like a highly normalized data structure where data warehouse data structures always like an you know, denormalized builder to high easy for analytics. The, nor, the operational data source like Amazon Aurora or the system of record, there is a business activities happened and it kind of serialized the business activity in a very normalized structure. Correct. You will have after the fact after the fact record in Amazon Aurora. Mm. Now you, you're syncing the data to Redshift, you will get the same thing, you know? Now, if you wanted to recreate what the business actually done that, in the data warehouse side, you have to rewrite the whole business logic mm. on top of it in Redshift to do that one. That's very, very expensive. That's why the whole even sourcing, you know, um, you have this um, outbox pattern, everything trying to abstract that so that you don't need to implement another business logic on that front, right? So I think these are the two areas why I feel strongly that ETL is not going to disappear. Um, and uh, because- At least in the short term. At least in the yeah. short term, no. Right. Yeah, short term, I don't, I don't think it will go disappear. Partly because unless and until we kind of figure out some way to, you know, data model, normalize structure here and there, and then capture the business activities, that's one way. The second thing is like once of more and more usage started coming in, everyone will get greedy and then they will start to build abstraction on top of it. Now the legitimate question is like, what is who control what? Right? Like is it Snowflake controls or Salesforce controls that the line will start blur and right. you know people will just hold back. You know, I'd this, like this to is... take a company or houseware, uh, take houseware with sales for RevOps. Uh, mm -hmm. now. Do you customers need to buy an ETL when they solve for RevOps? Not really, because houseware would solve it end to end for them. Exactly. Full exactly. spectrum is very interesting. Now, if every every if you see a lot of people solving for that end use case, as you mentioned, the full stack of analytics and decision making is solved. Uh, probably, are we getting vertical specific? Are we getting function specific solutions that are built on top of warehouses? Uh, and you don't need anything, uh, right? So, uh, or probably no warehouse house is required. I don't know how house is solves it today. I think they are on top of Snowflake. Then yeah. why Snowflake? Can that be on Postgres? I don't care. At the end of the day, yeah. I, I don't care about where the data is sold or where you get the data from or how you get the data from. Uh, I'll give you the applications. Tell me what is the standard set of reports? What am I, what are, how is the focus accuracy? How is the sales for the quarter, et cetera? I think worth yeah. mentioning elsewhere over here as well. Yeah, I, I do believe like vertical, vertical specific analytical solutions have a huge market scope, largely because 
it clearly from from an organization perspective also it's clearly deviating uh, sorry clearly separate the purchasing power a revenue team can go buy and revops thing and uh, you know a sales team can buy sales analytical side of it customer success team can buy customer analytical side of it huge burden relieved from the whole data warehouse side of it so that yes. there's a huge huge uh, interesting perspective and interesting companies can come out of that totally totally yeah uh, mm-hmm. the other area that matt basically lays is reverse etl and cdp again much similar to etl reverse etl and all of that uh, cdp solutions like segment have been in existence for quite some time uh, they focus on centralizing the data uh, to drive uh, analytics to drive marketers to run their campaigns etc reverse etl tools also kind of stepped into that category i think uh, somewhere some of these reverse etl tools are becoming and solving what cdp vendors were doing and cdp vendors on the other hand side are saying hey okay now anyway said data is centralized around warehouses uh, and let me not focus on how the data comes and all of that so uh, the central warehouse exists so let me <laughs> offer integrations with the warehouses and lakehouse providers and let me use that as a source for me to drive Uh, all the other set of analytics right so segment launched a reverse etl tool m particle launched a warehousing uh, capability so uh, another area where people are stepping on each other uh, but i think uh, not sure which way could 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 uh, it, uh, the industry could turn around uh, i somehow believe reverse etl and, uh, and etl would consolidate and cdp as a category would offer Uh, some of the support for native warehouse integration the native lake house uh, integration as well uh, or it could be the other way around all of the reverse etl companies will become uh, cdp companies cdp companies yeah so okay yeah that's so overall next two years we, we could expect more and more consolidation more and more strong fight for the categories to own uh, getting acquired and then so very interesting time yeah but before we finish i think uh, the icing on the cake mat left to the end which is around top trends right mesh products and contracts uh, topics that are close to both of us anand so i think uh, i'm a big fan of data products uh, and contracts and a contract first approach and i know you're you're in that area of contracts building up as well uh, now what do you think uh, and do you agree with matt and what do you think are are the levers that uh the industry would take in the next one or two years yeah i i do believe systems like data product the concept of data product and some tools around to manage data products and the data contract will come the reason is that um as the organization kind of started to grow there is no other option either to manage in a way like you have to apply the software engineering principle otherwise you cannot scale the system whatever that we saw about like orchestration engine data quality tools they are the technology solutions they are not trying to solve organization and collaborations problems data creation data asset creation data accessing in in short whatever we do in data is inherently social in nature what i mean by that is that it is a very collaborative effort somebody has to produce the data somebody has to transform the data somebody has to use the data and it spans across the organization and as more and more companies moving towards digital natives and like like 
the state of the truth is right now, there is no manufacturing companies. Uh, there is no, um, you know, uh, there is no like a like mom and pop stores available right now. Like yeah. everything is a digital company. Everyone has to have a digital presence. Everyone needs to understand what does the growth look like? What does the churn look like? Are they on the right track? What I want to invest on that? Can I use data efficiently, create more and more intelligent offering? Mm. Right. So now that requires like the whole companies to come together and act on top of data. Like they have to create it, curate it, deliver the customer delight on top of it. I think that is the next big challenge to solve. And these tools like the data quality tools and like um, the data catalog tools might play an important role behind the scene, either get integrated into data contracts right. or these tools trying to step into data contracts. You know, you could see, you can already see like, you know, companies like uh, the data testing tools already started to claim that they have kind of started to support data contracts. And data catalogs tool, on the other hand, they kind of started to say that there's data contracts, right? The last thing I would say to end about the data contract, never underestimate the power of interface, right? I, I told first time, like those who own the data lineage will hold control the data stack, but the one who owns the interface, which be much more powerful than the lineage. Mm. I think data contract is that particular pivoting point where you can own the interface and with the interface, you can build your implementation out of the box. And that is very, very powerful in opinion. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. I think uh, contracts first design and contract first patents solves for everything up downstream, right? Uh, solves for quality, calls for validation, solves for probably documented ownership uh, and everything stems from there and helps build great data products, I think uh, fits into both the data product world, uh, in the data fabric world, or even when you're building a mesh based pattern, I think this, this documentation, this, this interface uh, where you document the contract, where you, again, it's, again, uh, over this area also probably can contracts become the product data catalog, no idea. But then there's a thin line there because if you solve for this, why not solve for that? And if somebody's yeah. solving for a product data catalog, why not solve for this? Again, uh, areas that uh, we would see evolve and probably converge probably in the future. In, 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 as in any good products, right? It, it will start to solve one particular specific pain point and then it will slowly emerge. The way I see data contract can emerge, like it could be, a, um, you know, it could be a stream, streaming site kind of data creation space where it can enable some tools for the developers and everyone, anyone to create the tools you know, on, while shipping to data warehouse, it can run through all the data validations yeah. and everything to make sure the high quality data getting produced. That could be yeah. one. And then yeah. like once you know that, you already know what is the schema structure looks like, who kind of subscribe to you, who is producing it, what is the data quality check, whether it is doing good or not, like all sort of information that you gather. Yeah. Now, data catalog is a byproduct for that. Data quality, data observability is kind of a byproduct for that. Even schema modeling, which is like very, very less focused on many, uh, you know, it's, it's like there's literally no category being mentioned about data schema modeling itself, right? So I think data can space can also kind of play a major role in the bringing back the schema modeling. I think it's all combined. And as a data contract company, I think it's 
inevitable that you will be stepping in this area that you cannot escape from that or either you can have a well aligned con you know um collaboration with those companies or you have to build on your own somewhere other these things has to play well together otherwise um the, it's not a usable thing for the customers perfect i think that kind of covers the the data piece of matt's log i think uh, thank you matt for doing this for the last several years uh, yeah. and and helping all of us uh, but thank you also for kind of laying out the trends and sharing uh, the observation and pain points uh, i think one thing that matt has clearly defined even for gartner this time is the consolidation of data quality and observability because these two categories were clearly stepping on each other i think uh, as 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 i always say this is a exciting category for for maturity uh, the data space so it's it's going to happen great until next edition see you all take care bye